The text for the sermon this morning is taken from that reading from Romans and also a few verses before. It says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. This is the text. You may be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. There you go. You got your little audition there. But that song is to begin has been ringing through the radios, I'm sure, since November 1st in the case of some radio stations. I don't know if any goes earlier than that. There might be. It's been in the, those type of things have been in the stores. You know, I, when I was growing up, I'd hear that song, and I always heard that song. It was always a threat from your parents. That... Be, you better watch out, you better not cry, otherwise you're not going to get whatever you want for Christmas. You know, when I was a kid, I heard that. I was a little fearsome. But I also wondered, how good was good enough? You know, how much could I get away with? And we're supposed to think it's supposed to be all year long, but we learned very quickly early on in life that it really only covers basically from about the right after Thanksgiving dinner until uh, Christmas Day. And you try to figure out how much is bad enough. And remember, what's the consequence if you're not good enough? The consequence in the story is a lump of coal. For the parents, it's usually a piece of a pair of underwear. Which, you know, I guess we could always use underwear, but it's not as exciting as, you know, a brand new toy or whatever you might be hoping for. During the season of Advent, we are focusing on a return. Focusing on one who is to come. And the reality is that the one who is to come, he sees you when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake, so be good for goodness sake, maybe. Actually, yes. In Romans, you see the standards. Owe no one anything. This is right after he's talking about a little bit about debt. But owe no one anything except to love each other. Now you hear that and you think, oh, that's easy. I'm great at loving people. The problem is, is when we hear love each other, we just mean, oh, that just means be kind to people. Just give people a nice smile. Well, even there isn't actually as easy as we think it is. 
Do you always feel like giving a smile to people? Do you ever have days where the, the, a smile is the last thing that you want to come off your face? You're just trying hard enough not to say anything to people? We are to, he's telling us, do you owe no one anything except to love each other? The Greek word is agape, agape, meaning to love people to such a degree that you are willing to give everything for them. That is really what Paul is saying. Owe no one every anything except to really, he's really saying, except to owe them everything. To love everybody. Think about when you're driving down the highway. Maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're on Highway 18. Maybe you're, maybe you go to Sioux Falls or Sioux City and the traffic is a little heavy and sometimes people just don't know how to drive in town and they frustrate you. And when they're driving like that, or maybe you're on the way to the lakes and somebody's driving like, you know, I don't know, maybe like they're pregnant they're going into labor or something, you can, your first thought isn't, oh, I love them so much. I hope they get there safely. And I and a, and give up a prayer for them. If you're like me, if somebody's in the car, you kind of grumble under your breath. If no one else is in the car, usually you, hope, you imagine some, they're hearing you, whatever your thoughts are. You're usually frustrated, at least least shaking your fist at them. That is not love. When we're, how many of you participated in Black Friday? We had more people last night, (laughs) but Black Friday, you watch on the news, you see how crazy people can be, the way... Now they're actually starting to be countdown lists on YouTube showing the videos of people tackling one another so they can go get a TV or whatever it may be. Which, I don't know if any of you have ever made the mistake of just getting a gallon of milk on Black Friday. It's a mistake. But, so people go there, and I mean, even on a day like that, or any day it happens to be busy in the store, maybe even on the day before Thanksgiving, you forgot to get something for the meal, so you had to go make a quick run to the grocery store, and there's a big line, and something goes wrong with the cash register, or the, and you start to grumble with the cashier, grumble with the other people in line. Your patience just starts to be lost. Raise your hand if you like long lines. Okay, I didn't, nobody likes them. In those moments, our patience, we very quickly get focused inward. This is us not loving our neighbor. When the attacks happen in Paris, that following Sunday, that following weekend, we had a prayer that was prepared by our synod. That, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but the prayers that I pray most every Sunday is taken straight from our synod. So many, many churches around the country are saying the same prayers. And so every now and then I might throw something in because 
It's written in St. Louis, so they kind of forget that farmers exist, so I got to throw in some prayers about harvest and things like that. But otherwise, it's pretty much the exact thing. But anyways, on the Paris attack, part of that prayer was praying that those terrorists, the ones connected, would repent. How many of us, when we see those attacks, when we saw what happened on 9-11, when we saw any of the number of attacks that have happened in this world, how many of you, your first thought was, Lord, I pray that these terrorists would repent, turn to you, and receive forgiveness for this. That's what Scripture tells us to do. We are to love our enemies. We are to pray for them. We are not to to seek vengeance upon them. And understand there's a difference between vengeance and justice. And no, you're not supposed to carry out justice. The government is supposed to do that. That's why they bear the sword, as Paul mentions um, earlier in Romans 13. Love is not an easy thing. And this is just talking about the, the enemies and the people we randomly run into. How many times do we fail to show love to our children, to our siblings? Everybody knows, can tell stories of their fights with their siblings, unless you're an only child, and I guess then you get, that's the only way to get out of it. Even amongst even married couples, there are so many places that we have fights and quarrels. And the thing is, it might start out out of goodwill, out of good intentions, but very quickly, a fight spirals into selfishness, inward thinking. This call to love one another, to sacrifice everything we have is not an easy command. And not a single one of us lives up to it. And that is the demands of the one who is coming. And the consequences of this failure. It is not that you're going to get a lump of coal in your stocking. The consequence isn't that you're going to get a pair of underwear instead of a toy. The consequence is death. The consequence is that our bodies are weak and frail and breaking. The consequence is a life where there is no joy, a place without happiness. The the destiny that is deserved for this is that four-little word, four-letter word, hell. Yes, that's a real place. It is as real as May City. And that is the destiny. That is where every human being deserves to go. Because we have destroyed God's world. 
We constantly disobey. We constantly don't love our neighbor. We don't love him as ourselves. If we love them as ourselves, we would make sure to give ourselves to them. Give everything we have. And by the way, if this was fully living in reality, that would not mean you have nothing, because if everybody was giving everything to everyone, then everyone would have everything. And yet have nothing. It's kind of a cool thought. But it's nowhere close to reality in this world. The season of Advent, we are mindful of our sin. We are mindful of how dark and dreary this world is. And it's not just the world, it is our very selves. And how desperately we need a Savior. Up until last week, we were going for a year and a half through the Old Testament, following through those readings, seeing of the people of Israel waiting for the Christ to come. Well, today we lit the first candle. Next week we're going to light another. And by the way, the reason the color of rose is you take that pur- if you were to take that color purple, that color white, throw it into a bowl, mix it up, guess what color you get? Rose. Rose is letting you know Advent's almost done. E- Christmas is coming. Same thing in, in Lent, there's a day of rose, and it's letting you know Easter's almost coming. But anyways, that, you light another one, and you light a fourth one. It's like a clock, it's ticking down. It's reminding us of the time was ticking down for the Christ to come. So the phrase, the, the refrain of Lent, or of Advent, Christ has come. The world lived in darkness, lived in sin, waiting for the promise, that promised uh, offspring of Eve to come to crush the serpent's head. And he was born of the Virgin Mary. And he was rejected. He was crucified. And he rose from the dead. We say that Christ is come. Christ comes to you in the waters of baptism. He says in the, the epistle lesson, Paul says... Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. How do you put on Christ? Think about that phrase. I mean, does that mean you got to go dress up? You have to play Halloween? Every single, or like kind of a cosplay? Anybody know what cosplay is? Okay, we'll just say Halloween. That just gave me out. I'm a big nerd. Cosplay is where you dress up as a character. So people cosplay as like Darth Vader or whatever. But is that what it means to put on, put on Christ? No. Galatians says that all who have been baptized have been clothed in Christ. To put on Christ is to be baptized into Christ. And so when your baptism, Christ comes. Christ comes to you in His Word. 
And by the way, if you look in the congregation at prayer, what are the very first words we have in there? What are the very first words of the divine service? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So you call to mind that you are clothed in Christ. So we put on Christ because the reality is, is on our own, looking at our righteousness, we can't stand before the one who is to come. But when we were baptized into Christ, we were clothed with His righteousness. And so we can stand before God who comes. And you hear His word and you're strengthened and you're renewed. You come to the Lord's Supper. You receive the body and blood of Christ and you receive the forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of your faith. That's why we could say Christ still is coming. He comes to you every day but every time you partake of those means of grace. And finally, Christ will come again. Did you notice the end times theme in our readings? The end times theme in our, it's in, even in the hymns? Christ will come again. But and we, and you, you know, with Santa Claus, you better be good for goodness sakes. With Christ, he was good for your sake. Because we fail over and over. You don't have to measure how often you have, how, how many times can I fail before God will let me in. You don't have to wonder when's the cutoff point. Do I, okay, do I need to be good during the last week of my life, last month? How, how often is God counting? You don't have to wonder that. Because you have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And His goodness is good enough. It is far better than anything you can offer. The season of Advent, we are mindful of our sin knowing that it has been defeated. And because it is defeated, because we are clothed in Christ, now, we could even for a moment, every now and then, love as Christ loved. Love our neighbor. Serve them. Have patience when you're in line and say, you know, It's not a big deal. There's other things going. It's not the end of the world. You might, or you see somebody struggling. Like I said, you might be more gracious. That person races past you on the highway. We don't know why, but you say, I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. Thank you, God. And God be with that person. That's what happens when you're clothed with Christ. When you hear his word. More and more, day by day, you are molded like him until he comes. And when we fail, we fall at the throne of grace and receive forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Because it is Advent, we will not do the Te Deum or the Benedictus.
So we will continue with the offering.